Do you have something inspiring to say? Have you always known that your voice can contribute to the world? Is now the time? Yes, now is the time. The world is waiting for you. Welcome to the Open Mic Show on Inspired Choices Network. Today, we have an inspiring guest who is ready to share their voice with the world. Now, Recording in progress. on to the show. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome to the Open Mic on Inspired Choices Network. I'm Haley Sue, and I have a phenomenal guest with me today who has just written, I think it's her first book, actually. Um, this is Casey Guerin. I think I said it right. <laughs> so let me just introduce um, you to our listeners and our viewers. Timed to World Mental Health Day, which is on October the 10th, which is this week, right? Mm -hmm. And during Health Literacy Month, Casey, former Self Magazine health editor, self-professed symptom Googler, and author of the new book, It's Probably Nothing, reveals why we're so anxious about our health and how to navigate the wellness scene without panicking or falling victim to harmful fads. So Casey, you used to be a former executive editor and health director at Self, an award-winning journalist and fierce advocate of accessible health information. She was also an editor and writer at BuzzFeed, Women's Health and Cosmopolitan. Wow, great credentials there, hey? Thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I can't, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. We love to have inspiring guests on the show that can offer our listeners and viewers, you know, something completely different. And wow, your book, It's Probably Nothing, is definitely different. So tell me, how did you get to this place of actually wanting to write this book? Uh, yeah, so I have been anxious about my health and body for as long as I can remember. I'm definitely one of those people who I thought all my headaches were brain tumors. I would Google my symptoms and expect like the worst one. It was definitely that. <laughs> and ironically, I became a health editor. So not necessarily the career choice um, I would suggest for someone who thinks that they have, you know, everything they read about. Um, but it really gave me a lot of empathy for, you know, the average reader who is consuming health and wellness content online, because it can be a little all over the place. It can be really overwhelming. So as a health editor for the past 10 years, I realized that both, you know, the digital media landscape and the wellness industry, while both being incredibly helpful and informative in some respects also can really add to our stress and anxiety around our bodies often. And I noticed that some of the same tools that helped me be a better health editor, you know, being able to dig through that research and all that medical jargon, knowing how to discern between a legitimate source and a not so much legitimate source right. is something that the average person could really use to help navigate all of those wellness messages we're getting all the time. So that was kind of the crux for the book. Wow. So I just want to touch on that, um, that you say you're, you're anxious about your health. So going into writing about health things, 
didn't you find that you started to create those symptoms in your body <laughs> as you no. read about different diseases and things? Yeah. I mean, I think no more than when I was, you know, really a health editor working in this every day. Right. So I was you know, writing and editing stories that sometimes were health news stories, sometimes were features on people with certain illnesses, um, or sometimes just like explainer kind of content about a particular illness. And I mean, there would be ones where you're like, oh, I have that symptom that is incredibly common, <laughs> but maybe it's that. <laughs> um, and it definitely it was something that just kind of was in the back of my mind throughout my career. And when I sat down to write this book, I think I was more at the stage of understanding a bit more of where this came from for me and uh, also just how paying so much attention to our bodies and our health and getting those messages, you know, all the time in the media and social media and advertisements and wellness products kind of contributed to that. So I honestly think that reflecting on all of that for the book was a little healing in a way. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad that was healing because as I was reading your book and I quickly just skim read, skim read through the entire book, but I, I kind of got like, I could feel your anxiety, right? Wow. That you have around that. Now I don't, I don't um, suffer from that at all. Um, mm -hmm. But I was told when <laughs> after I'd had my baby that, um, and I know you mentioned cervical cancer in your book, that mm -hmm. I had abnormal cells. Uh, and I know this is one of your stories, right? Mm -hmm. And um, then because my doctor was German, there was a little bit of miscommunication in how mm -hmm. he presented what was happening in my body oh my and gosh. I didn't even go and Google actually I mean it was 2007 so I wasn't really a Google fanatic back then still not <laughs> that's, good. that's a like, good thing I I understand how you can go from zero to oh my god I'm dying in mm -hmm. like five seconds right and then add yeah. a newborn baby to that and oh my gosh your whole yeah. life and <laughs> Oh my God. I'm glad that you didn't turn to Google at that moment. It probably wouldn't have helped. No. Yeah. Luckily I, I thought, no, let me just get a second opinion. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's what your book is all about, right? Is going back to go to the people that can give you the real answers. Exactly. Exactly. Because often the easiest and most convenient option of course is going online, right? It's right there. It's free. It's going to give you limitless information, but sometimes having access to all of that information can just, you don't really know where to start and where to end. And if you are looking for reassurance um, or confirmation, you know, of, of maybe a fear that you have, you will likely find it the more that you Google. <laughs> right. Definitely. I mean, you can definitely Google a symptom and go, oh, yes, yes, I've got that. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right exactly um what was it what was I going to say I was going to say something about um your book oh listening to your body I love that you put that in mm -hmm. the book because oh. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a holistic kind mm -hmm. of wellness practitioner um more on the alternative side so I love that you put in there that you should be listening to your body so just can you just expand a little yeah. bit on that for us 
Of course. So, you know, working as a wellness editor for so long, that's advice that you see in almost every article, right? Like listen to your body, you know, your body best. And I think that's, it's such a tricky line um, to follow because you do want to, of course, listen to your body and, and feel like, you know, what's going on, you know, to some extent. Um, but for some of us who maybe are already really, really in tune to our bodies, um, which is something that I found in researching for the book that is kind of a risk factor for dealing with health anxiety is almost paying too much attention to those little noises and and feelings in your body. Um, and so if you are on that end of the spectrum, that advice to listen to your body might cause you to go a little overboard. So I think it's such a, a tricky concept to think of because you do want people to feel empowered to know that, um, that they have, you know, really valuable information to give their doctor in a, in a productive conversation about what's going on. Um, but not to have it keep you up at night if it's something that, you know, isn't necessarily medical in nature. Wow. I just, um, this book can be helpful to so many people. Um, I mean, you know, you talk about healthcare and you just talking about in the United States, right? Right. Yes. It would have been a much bigger book if I was trying to tackle it. So reading it from, I'm South African, but now I live in the UK, right? So healthcare is very, very different in both those countries. Well, in South Africa, it's kind of, well, I won't say non-existent. Actually, we have very good medical care, but only if you have medical aid. I see. Okay. So I know you talk a lot about this in your book Mm -hmm. and um, how can people get the help? Because I think this is important. If you don't have medical aid, I mean, you are talking about the United States. Right. how do people find the places and spaces where they can get the help that they deserve? Right. It sounds like what you're describing is similar to what we have in the U.S., which is, you know, you, you can have amazing health care if you have the resources to get that health care and know where to go. Uh, and that privilege doesn't even necessarily stop at having health insurance, right? It can also include things like having specialists nearby to you, um, having, you know, reliable childcare and transportation to get to these appointments. So there's so many barriers to accessing care that really make sense of why people go online to answer their health questions. Um, But a few resources for people, you know, I want people to realize that even if you don't have health insurance, you're still deserving of the same compassionate, accurate, evidence-based care. Um, And one place to get that are federally qualified health centers. So in the U.S., those are either low-cost or no-cost care and services. And you can find those by going to your state's health department. Um, Now, if you, whether you do or don't have health insurance, I think another thing that many people don't think about are the um, prescription discount codes and sites. Those are a game changer. <laughs> I mean, they, I feel like that's something that they just don't tell you about. No one tells you. Nobody um, ever tells you where you can get the discounts, right? I know. <laughs> it's like that is the valuable information that we need. 
Um, so those can be really helpful in the US. Uh, I don't know if this is everywhere, but GoodRx is a really great website um, that you put in, you know, any prescription that your doctor is prescribing you and it shows you locations around you, whether it's grocery store, drugstore, um, and what exactly you will pay out of pocket at different places, um, which is just, you know, can save you a whole lot of traveling around and just a lot of headache. Um, so there's a, a whole, my last chapter of the book is kind of all of those tips on finding more affordable, accessible care. Um, but really what I want people to realize is that you should feel confident and empowered to do that, even though it takes work, you know, it's, it's worth finding a health care provider that you feel comfortable with, that you trust, um, that you will take their word for it, um, and that treats you as a whole person. And, and that's so important, you know, because when you feel like, well, I don't have the money, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have the, the ability to go and see a professional, and even if you do and you scrape together all your money and you get there and you treat it like absolute rubbish, right. for a better word. <laughs> for a good word, yes. <laughs> um, you know, you deserve to be, it's your health. Right. I mean, I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that without your health, you're not here, right? <laughs> right. And it's funny, we think we try to be conscious consumers in so many respects and know that, you know, if we're spending money on something, we want it to be something like a company that we, you know, appreciate their values, that we feel good about doing business there. And then when it comes to our healthcare, we sometimes just will except that sometimes it's just a bad experience. And really like you are a paying customer in many senses. Um, and even if you're not, you deserve good healthcare. And so I think that just people, you know, taking that same, uh, the same time and energy that they would put into looking for, you know, a new laptop or a new house, you know, really research when you are looking for a healthcare provider, because this is someone you want to be your partner um, when things come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the way that you say that, that um, research everything. Um, and, I, and I know you mentioned essential oils in your book as well. <laughs> and I love my essential oils. But, hey, essential oils can do great things. Not all of the yeah. things, but they can yeah. do great things. But the amount of times somebody says to me, oh, I'm going to have to go and research it. I'm like, but are you really going to go and research it? Like, right. are you really? Can you come back to me and like show me what your research finds? Because exactly. that's just the excuse. And I do find people are or can be quite lazy with their healthcare. Yeah. Right. They'll just take whatever they've seen on social media or whatever the latest fad is. And I think we'll get into that in the next segment. We're going to go to break. Um. But yeah, it, people scroll so often now. Yeah. That I think the things that pop for them, they go, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Never, ever sticking to one thing to get right. a result. Yeah. And going to the doctor or, you know, making an appointment with a specialist or whatever it is, mm -hmm. made the result that you are looking for. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we hear that so often right now. The well, I'm doing my research, I'm doing my own research. And I think, you know, it's just something to keep in mind that we all, like you said, seem to have different definitions of doing our own research. <laughs> you know, a researcher's research is going to be peer reviewed studies and replicated studies. 
and scrolling on Google isn't necessarily the same thing. Um, but you know, it's a good place to start and <laughs> giving any kind of time and effort into something that you're going to put in your body, I think is, is a great place to start. Fabulous. Okay, Casey, we're going to go to our first break. You're sure. listening to Haley Sue and Casey Guerin. Guerin, say that again for me. You got it, Guerin, yeah. There we go, Guerin. Casey Guerin, everybody. We are on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back. Whether money, addiction, spirituality, real estate, or relationships, Open Mic on Inspired Choices Network discusses it all with a focus on bringing conscious voices and topics to the world. ICN features speakers, podcasters, and professionals from around the world. Do you have something inspiring to say? Get on the air today with the Inspired Choices Network Open Mic Show. The Open Mic Show is your time to shine and inspire our global audience. Claim your spot today. Simply contact our network at openmic at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Forget the days of five minutes of fame. Now you can have 55 minutes of fame. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspire Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You are listening to The Open Mic Show here on Inspired Choices Network. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. You on the open mic show on the Inspired Choices Network, and we're chatting to Casey Guerin about her book, It's Probably Nothing, which is all about healthcare and how to decode and debunk all the stuff that we find on Google and help those of us with um, health anxiety, right? Did I use the right terminology? Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So let's chat a little bit about this researching and considering our sources. What would be your like top pointers for people to check when somebody says, well, I'm going to go and research and check out these sources? Yeah, absolutely. So first, um, you know, this comes back to like, we learned this in elementary school, right? The difference between primary and secondary sources. So right now, I mean, primary source is going to be who did that research or who, where did that data originate? And often we are getting secondary sources. We're thinking even of a researcher or a doctor that's writing something on Facebook as being a primary source of that information. And they might be talking about a study that they had nothing to do with or research they had nothing to do with. So just trying to go back as far as you can to where did this data originate? Where is the evidence for this claim that's being made is really the first step. And then when you're looking at, okay, who are the sources that I trust? 
Um, of course, as a health editor, I'm going to name all the, the obvious ones like the CDC and the National Institutes of Health and World Health Organization. Um, but I know that not everyone wants to just get their health information from those sources. We like reading our newspapers and our magazines and our wellness blogs, and I think that's fine. But when you're looking at the way that they source things, the way they report things, you want to look for brands that really do have a proven track record of reporting on health responsibly. Um, do they have dedicated, trained health reporters? Do they show their sourcing? Are they very transparent about their fact-checking and research process? Do they have a fact-checking and research process? These are all things that if you're going to be sharing their content, engaging with it, um, or changing your life in any meaningful way because of the advice, it's just a good thing to, again, do your research on those brands. And I love, love one of your headings in the book, never trust the phrase research shows. Yeah. <laughs> I know people are like, you just said research, you know, and yes, research is good. Um, but this is something that I noticed as a health editor, and I'm sure other people will notice once I point it out. But often when you're reading an article, um, you'll get a sentence that's like research shows going to the beach makes you happier, which like, Yes, sure, obviously, <laughs> but um, but okay. If are they linking to the research that showed that? I'd love to see that study. I mean, who paid for that study, right? <laughs> Why wasn't I invited to be one of the participants? Like, how do we sign up? Um, yeah. So you know, if you can find if they're showing you, if they're clearly linking back to that research that they're saying research shows, that's great because that is you know, showing your work. It's allowing you to go and see, was this based on you know, rats? <laughs> Were the rats happier at the beach? <laughs> and they're saying they're generalizing those findings to humans. Um, was it something that was done on five people or five million people? Obviously not five million, but you want to look through the research and see are the findings or the claims that are being made in this article really supported by what they actually studied. And so often it's not. <laughs> and that's that's frustrating. You know, when when you see those headlines that are like the, well, that's that's a little bit of a stretch, like the ones that are, you know, tequila helps you lose weight or champagne boosts your memory or coffee makes you more productive. Like, yes, that probably is <laughs> right. But you always want to see the actual research because it might be that they are really extrapolating from either a small sample size or a sample size that's not like you, like 10 college-aged men or a bunch of mice. Well, and as you say, read the article because the mm -hmm. heading of something may be completely different to what's actually written in the article. So many times I've clicked on an article because I thought, really, how, you know, how can that be? As you say, like, whatever, tequila makes you skinny. Right. Click on it and then it's like, well, studies show that this, what, but it's something so completely different. But people just read a headline and never read the actual article. Right. Right. And we remember that headline, even if you didn't even, you know, often we'll get push alerts to our phones, right? And we ignore it, we, you know, swipe off of it, but we read it and we remember that. And when that topic comes up again, we're like, oh yeah, I read something about that. And it's like, you didn't actually read something about that, but you saw a headline and that's fine. But it, it is 
really on the responsibility of the media brands to make sure that you're presenting the full story and not using a clickbait headline. And, you know, it's, there's reasons why that happens. Um, but it's something that I've always tried to be conscious of in my career. And I think that a lot of brands are, are doing a lot better with it. So let's, because coming to that, let's get back to the, the Instagram fads that you, yeah. you talk about, because that's, well, picture and headline based, yeah. especially yeah. on Instagram. Right. And those can be so tempting to, um, to believe offhand because it doesn't feel like media or advertisements, right? It feels like a person that you know. You know, a wellness influencer posting about this thing that worked for them feels so much more approachable and convincing than an advertisement because you're on guard a little bit more when you see an advertisement. Whereas this, that person might've gotten paid or might've not, but it just feels a, a lot more informal. And so I think that that's something that we should just be aware of is that when influencers are, are posting wellness products, especially if it has, you know, hashtag ad on it, you know, take it with a grain of salt, of course. Um, but also, you know, do, do that research of going to the website. Don't just buy something off Instagram that you see. It's, they make it so easy to do. Like you don't even have to go to the website, but you should, because if they're making a claim that something's going to help you lose weight or brighten your teeth or get rid of cellulite or whatever, you want to see where those claims came from. And often you'll go to these websites and they will say, these are science-backed ingredients. We have evidence-based claims, but they might not link to those studies. And so that's where you should be doing a little bit more reading before you buy into those products, because often we think, oh, well, it's not, you know, a prescription, it's not an antibiotic, so it can't harm me. But we know that lots of natural substances can be harmful. Lots of supplements can interact with foods or drinks or other medications that you're taking. Um, so just having that same level of skepticism when we approach things that we see on social media that we might if we were in a doctor's office. So while you were talking there, I was just thinking about what's your take on why people are looking to improve their health now on their own instead of going to the professionals? It's a great question. I, I've seen this kind of sea shift, you know, this change over the last decade of working in this industry um, that people do want to have more of a, more of a say and more, of a role in taking care of their health. And I think that a lot of that comes from, you know, we know that a lot of women and particularly marginalized women are feeling or and being dismissed by their doctors or not getting the care that is inaccessible or unaffordable or stigmatizing. And when you're not getting the care that you need, you're going to look elsewhere. Right. And I think that so often these wellness fads, these wellness brands crop up because of cracks in the system of needs that are not being met um, of people, mostly women who are fed up with not being heard from their doctors. Um, often I see these wellness fads being things that are around women's health and <clears throat> sexual and reproductive health care. 
And I do think that that's not a coincidence that there are huge gaps in what we know and what is being studied and what is being offered to us in these realms. And so when other brands that don't necessarily have the evidence behind them, but have a lot of empathy and are, are giving options to women for the first time and listening, it's to me, it's, it's just not a coincidence. I think that these are in response to that. Fabulous. Yeah, I really, really, I, I agree with that. But I, I also kind of want to say we want to take more control mm-hmm. of our bodies. And I mean, and at the moment, the fad is, right? We read, well, most people, not most people. Should I say most people? <laughs> many, many people. <laughs> will now read ingredients, as you yeah. say. They will, you know check all these things but then again how do we know because as you say of all this information it's misleading because we told well this is toxic but now it's not well this is but now it's not so you kind of caught in this spiral of you want to do better for your body right how do you even get there (laughs) right and I wish there was an easy answer that's like hidden in my book. <laughs> but I think the, the real thing is that I want people to be aware of that, of that really frustrating, um, you know, predicament that we are in because yes, I, I think it's great that we want to be more informed about what, what we're putting in our bodies and we want brands to be more transparent about their ingredients and their practices. Um, but at the same time, then we look at these other, you know, wellness products and we don't necessarily hold them to the same standards as, as traditional mainstream Western medicine. Um, and I think that that's, that's a mistake, right? We don't want to just assume that because something's an alternative, it's got to be the best. It's got to be harmless. Like what could it hurt? <laughs> um, I'm the complete opposite. Like I hold everything natural to a much higher standard. I'm like, no, right. come on. This is yeah. not. You know, because my son is um, asthmatic and has eczema. So I'm very aware of um, ingredients for um, cleaning the house and Mm -hmm. using detergent and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, oh, this is a healthy, environmentally friendly um, detergent that you can use. And then I look at it and I say, but it's got perfume in it. Right. (laughs) I can't use perfume. Like, but just because it's natural mm-hmm. it will still affect him right, right. so I think um I I'm the I'm the opposite whereas I hit those natural natural things hard I'm like no this is not even if it's considered natural to you it's right. not actually it's got stuff in it that will still harm him Right. Yeah. It's that line between what's marketing and what's actually something that's informing, you know, what's on the ingredient list. I'm the same way. I have such sensitive skin and I read everything and I know that whatever's on the front of the package means nothing. It's whatever's on the back of the bag. Like you don't even need to look at the front. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, Casey, let's go to our second break. You're listening to Open Mic on the Inspired Choices Network. I'm here with Casey Guerin and her book, It's Probably Nothing. That's what we're discussing today. So catch us on the other side of this. Whether money, addiction, spirituality, real estate, or relationships, Open Mic on Inspired Choices Network discusses it all with a focus on bringing conscious voices and topics to the world. 
ICN features speakers, podcasters, and professionals from around the world. Do you have something inspiring to say? Get on the air today with the Inspired Choices Network Open Mic Show. The Open Mic Show is your time to shine and inspire our global audience. Claim your spot today. Simply contact our network at openmic at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Forget the days of five minutes of fame. Now you can have 55 minutes of fame. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. You are listening to The Open Mic Show here on Inspired Choices Network. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Haley Sue, your host today on Open Mic on Inspired Choices Network. And if you have something inspiring that you'd love to share with us, please get in touch. You can email me, Haley at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. If you have a special message or a book or something that you want to get into and out to the world, um, I look forward to those emails in my inbox. So we're talking to Casey and her book, It's Probably Nothing. Casey, before we jump ahead, can you tell us where, where can we find this book? Yes, um, as of yesterday, you can. Oh, yes, of course. Here's the book. Here she is. <laughs> um, is this your with, first? This is my first book. Um, and yes, writing a book about health anxiety during a pandemic uh, was a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, as of yesterday, um, when it published, you can get it wherever books are sold. I, of course, you know, suggest any of your favorite indie bookstore. Um, Bookshop is a great, of course, resource to order from one near you. Amazing. Amazing. Great. Well, I hope our listeners and viewers go out and get it because I think it's a very helpful guide to you. give you tips and tools on of where to go and where not to go or what to do when you're feeling so anxious, right? Yeah, thank you. So I'm curious, there's one heading. If you're going to spend money on a wellness hack, let it be this one. Do you want to expand? <laughs> sure. So I know it's a that's my, my clickbait headline right there. Right? <laughs> I wanted to bring people in and kind of show that um, often we do look for and expect these new surprising, sexy, cool supplements and stuff to work, but really it's the boring age old advice. <laughs> that's often the best wellness advice. And in this case, um, what I'm referring preventive care. So as we talked about earlier, finding a trusted healthcare provider, um, someone that you can go to for a physical, for a flu shot, making sure that you're up to date on your vaccinations, 
Um, that is really, we have research about um, the ways in which preventive care can both catch illnesses early and um, just help you overall in, in various areas of your health. And so that's something that if you're looking for research-backed wellness hacks, preventive care is boring, but, and it, you know, takes a day of your life every year, usually, and sometimes more, <laughs> but that's, that's a good place to start. Do you think that going back to what we were saying about people taking control of their health with their bodies and what we're putting in it is a way of them doing preventative care mm -hmm. already, but they're not taking that very next step? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's tricky because it, it could be, you know, depending on the person. I I say in my book that, you know, I want people to get care however they do feel comfortable getting care. And that might look different for different people and depending on your situation and your resources. Um, but I would caution against DIYing, you know, your your preventive care because you might be missing out on a lot of things. Um, even if, you know, we think we know our bodies best, we don't necessarily have the same full picture and the tools and resources that our physicians are going to have. Um, and I know that there are a lot of uh, new kind of like concierge medical practices popping up that have a lot of testing uh, available. And I think that, you know, it does raise the question, well, if I can do, you know, my testing at home, is that good enough? And I mean, I think it's better than nothing. Of course, if you're going to be getting your STD tests at home, I mean, at least you're getting STD tests. Um, but is that the same as getting a pelvic exam when you need one or a cervical cancer exam when you need one? No, not necessarily. Of course you can't necessarily do that on yourself. <laughs> so I think it's, it's not a, an either or, but I think both, you know, definitely has a place. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, if people are take more aware of their bodies and trying to take care of them, you know, I didn't always believe in taking vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But recently, I've just started taking an amazing supplement. Um, but I also started going to the gym. And I also started eating better. So right. <laughs> I want to feel better overall, right? right. People forget that taking care of your body includes all of the things that we are discussing mm -hmm. here today, right? Right. Well setting up your once a year um, or whatever it is, like me, twice a year, I go for a pap smear because mm -hmm. that's what I have to do right now, right? right. So right. it's about everything um, in my head that I have right. to take care of my body and me by... Mm -hmm. It starts with me. <laughs> what do they say? It right. starts at home. Well, taking yeah. care of starts at home with you. Right. And especially yeah. as a mom, uh, we often forget to take care of ourselves and um, can let things go unchecked. Mm -hmm. And it, it just takes a lot of, you know, time, money and energy for all of this. And so I think that, you know, if you find that, you're, you know, if you take a, if you bought a multivitamin and you start taking it every day and then you realize like, oh, I feel, you know, I feel like I did something healthy today. So I'm also going to go to the gym and I'm also going to do this. And I'm also going to finally, you know, get an appointment with that therapist. Like it can cascade, you know, into all of these things that are great 
it doesn't mean that, you know, the vitamins are doing something who knows who's to say, unless you go to your doctor and you had a deficiency of some sort, you know, I've had so many physicians tell me in various articles that multivitamins can be just like expensive urine because a lot of people don't need them. But if it's something that's kicking off, you know, something else, and you are cognizant of what exactly you're taking so that, you know, if it could interact with anything else that you're taking and you're, you know, making your physician known of that, then it might just be something that helps kick off, you know, that cascade of other, you know, healthy behavior. Yeah. I think it becomes a mindset thing as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, because I'm now starting to focus more on me and my health. Therefore it's that, as you say, that cascading effect of, okay, we're going to take better care of ourselves. And so right. that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever, whatever does it. <laughs> if it's going to make you feel better and get you to be proactive in your health care, right. then the vitamins. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I talk about in the book with wellness fads. It's, you know, I don't want to always be that downer of like, nope, that's doing nothing. Nope. You just wasted your money on that. You know, you start to feel that way as a health editor, constantly debunking things. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, everything in your self-care toolkit has to be rigorously researched and only coming, you know, from a physician we can just experiment and, and do things because we like them and we want to try things. It's just being mindful of the difference between the two and being mindful of the marketing behind these things. Um, and, you know, I, I say, if something kind of makes you feel like crap, you know, it, it's probably not like the marketing's like, you would feel a lot better if you did this. <laughs> and, um, but that's not, a, that's a kind of a red flag. You know, that's not probably going to kick off that spiral of feeling good about yourself and taking care of yourself the same way that something else might. Right, right. So Casey, give us a kind of overview or your, I know it's, it's a very in-depth book. So trying to give me your top three tips. <laughs> or All let's right. The Googling. Let's talk about the Googling. How do you stop yourself from going to Google that you're dying now? <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell people not to Google because, you know, I'm, I'm still creating health content out there. I want you to click on it. <laughs> but uh, and I know that, you know, Google can be a really helpful resource. Um, but something that I learned from the psychologists that I talked to for this book were was when not to Google. And, um, a big question they suggested asking yourself is like, what are you trying to gain from this? Are you reassurance seeking right now? Are you seeking some level of certainty on the other side of these search results that you are not dying or that it is actually that scary thing that you think it is. And if you are Googling with that intention, you're not probably going to be satisfied. You know, you're probably just going to keep scrolling and scrolling and you're not really going to get the information that you're looking for. Um, whereas if you are, you know, in the example that you had said earlier, if, you know, your doctor said something and you're like, I, I want more information on that before my next appointment. Sometimes we're lying to ourselves when we say that <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, 
but sometimes we really mean it. And if you do just want to get that more information, then I think that that's a fine intention to have. Um, but I do give some tips in my book about how to Google smarter. Um, and one of them is instead of just Googling, you know, the phrase that you are, uh, freaking out about, like, let's say, I mean, the example, one of the examples in my book is about cervical cancer scare. And so unless you could just Google cervical cancer and you're going to get a ton of search results and it's going to be a lot to go through. And that can very quickly have that spiral of, of panic for a lot of people. Um, I have a chart in my book about some great primary sources to use along with your search term. So in that case, a great source um, to use, especially if you're in the U.S., would be uh, the National Cancer Institute or the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Either of those are going to have research-backed, you know, they're major medical organizations that are going to give you just what you need to know and not a ton of other scary stories and anecdotes <laughs> and statistics that are going to ruin your afternoon. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we are... Coming up to our last break, and we're going to wrap up wrap up your book in a pretty little bow <laughs> in our final segment. You're listening to Haley Sue on the open mic on Inspired Choices Network. We are chatting to Casey Gearin about her book, It's Probably Nothing. We'll be right back after this. Whether money, addiction, spirituality, real estate, or relationships, Open Mic on Inspired Choices Network discusses it all with a focus on bringing conscious voices and topics to the world. ICN features speakers, podcasters, and professionals from around the world. Do you have something inspiring to say? Get on the air today with the Inspired Choices Network Open Mic Show. The Open Mic Show is your time to shine and inspire our global audience. Claim your spot today. Simply contact our network at openmic at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Forget the days of five minutes of fame. Now you can have 55 minutes of fame. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. You are listening to The Open Mic Show here on Inspired Choices Network. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Haley Sue. We're talking to Casey Guerin about her book, It's Probably Nothing. Now we're coming to the end of our show, but before we do, I just want to read this little excerpt from your book. Um, and it's also at the end of your book, actually. Ask so many questions and know that you are deserving of answers. If you take away one thing from this book, I sure hope you remember the importance, not to mention the power of asking questions. Because I promise you, 
I promise you aren't the only one who has whatever question you feel too silly or uninformed to ask. Right? That is so important. And I mean, that comes from being a kid in class and feeling too stupid to put my hand up to say, uh, ma'am, what about this, this, and this, or I don't understand this, right? Because you're going to be made fun of. Yeah. And especially when you're in front of a doctor, right? I, they're saying all these words that you maybe haven't heard before, and they are making you feel rushed. And you often are just like, and you're like sitting in a paper towel, basically. Like, it's just, it's a very vulnerable position to be in um, physically and emotionally. So um, I totally get it. And I've been there. I've so often left a doctor's office feeling so flustered, then annoyed at myself for not asking the questions that I had. And then, you know, how do I call back? Do I try to go back? And it's just, it's a lot. So, but as a, a health editor, my job has been the best job in the world, getting to ask all of these doctors questions all the time. And so often, you know, they're like, oh yes, I, I hear that all the time. I get that all the time. And, you know, I know that it can be really hard to be in that position to ask those questions, but I, I just want people to realize they are not the only one. And that again, you're, you're a paying customer. Like you should get all of your, your questions answered, but I can definitely say from analyzing the search data for many websites, um, people ask or Google at least the same questions. <laughs> and there's a lot of very funny ones that have, you know, tons and tons of search traffic and you should not feel embarrassed. <laughs> Well, I think that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? About going into a doctor's rooms where you are made to wait for hours, then you are rushed in, as you say, in this uncomfortable environment mm -hmm. and you are pressured in like, he's got 10 minutes with you and then you're out of there. If you don't have those questions written down, you are gonna forget them. <laughs> Yeah. I always say to write them down. Yeah. Have them in your phone and in the notes app and have your phone in your lap. If you can, you know, when the doctor's there, because sometimes I need the, they usually and should uh, end with, okay, do you have any other questions for me? Um, but if they don't, you know, make sure that you get those questions answered. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, just know let's there's a beautiful blue block in your book. Ask questions, ask all your questions, ask the obvious questions, ask the same questions to multiple people. Yeah, I mean, that again is something that I learned as a health editor and you know, most of the, the places that I've worked, you wanna not just interview one source for a story, you wanna interview multiple. And I know that not everyone has the luxury of being able to get second and third opinions, but I find so often when I'm reporting a story that I will get vastly different responses and recommendations from different sources who may specialize in the exact same thing. And so it really does show you that there's not always one right answer. You're not crazy or silly for not loving maybe the response that you got from your doctor. And who is to say that you might not get a very different one if you have the ability to go to a different doctor. Um, so if you don't, you know, have that ability, making sure that you do ask, well, why are you recommending that for me? Um, and can you explain how that works? Because so often we just don't, we don't ask. And I've, 
again, had the luxury of asking those questions as a journalist, and I'm always fascinated by the response. And I wish that those were the conversations that we had the time to discuss in the exam room. Absolutely. I mean, I know when a doctor's prescribed me something, I haven't had the, the guts to say, well, why are you prescribing that? Yeah. Um, because who am I to judge his professional knowledge and ability? Because that's what it, what, what it feels like to me, right? When I, when I say that, well, he'll go, well, because I'm the doctor and I say so. <laughs> and that is not the right response. <laughs> but yes, yeah, you feel that way. They've got the white coat on and it, there is this, um, very vulnerable position to, to be in. But I think that, that that is exactly what we were talking about before. What is driving people to the more like, well, can I do this on my own? You know, because I don't love going somewhere where I feel stigmatized or discriminated against or dismissed. And so I totally get it. And that's why I wrote this book because I just felt there was a gap for the people who you know, we're like you and I, you know, skeptical of the things that we're seeing online. That's like, well, this is the alternative to, to this. And you're skeptical, but you're also frustrated and you understand why you're tempted by that thing. Yeah. If, well, and the feeling of, um, as you say, dismissed and not heard. Yeah. We're not being heard. And I think um, that is definitely a greater conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. Um and I thank you so much for writing this book and, and bringing it to the world because so many people do need um, some help with, with how do we get through all this medical jargon and they do, they make it so difficult for the, the layman. <laughs> right. It does. Yes. There's, I know. I'll, and when it comes to, you know, doing your own research and people will say, well, that's, that's the antidote, right? Like do your own research. Well, those studies are very dense and they're a lot to read through. And again, as a huge part of my job, I don't suggest it as a hobby. Like that is a lot and you shouldn't have to do that. Um, which is why, again, I think it's great to find brands and, and publications, news organizations, magazines that you do trust their reporting, that you know how they're doing their reporting and sourcing it um, because you are going to get more conversational and accessible you know, distilled information that way. Um, but knowing, you know, how to play that game of telephone and kind of go back to the original source is really helpful. It is. It is indeed. Well, Casey, it has been an absolute privilege to interview you today. I wish you every success with mm -hmm. your book and all your new ventures and adventures that you will be having in the future. Um, I hope the book, It's Probably Nothing, goes on to help many, many people um, just like you and just like me. We are quite different, but yet it's so helpful. Thank you. I so appreciate you having me on. And yes, I hope that, you know, if this book can help me, you know, not look at my body as a ticking time bomb all of the time, I hope it can help other people deal with all that we have going on right now. <sighs> Thank you. You've been listening to Haley Sue and Casey Guerin. We've been talking about her book, It's Probably Nothing. You can find it on Amazon or any of the bookstores within the US. And um, yes, for Casey. Thank you for listening to the Open Mic Show today. 
We look forward to having you join us next time, where we will have another inspiring guest sharing what they know with the Inspired Choices Network world. We look forward to having you join us again. Until then, remember, your voice is a gift and your message inspiring.